In 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Paul writes, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Gary. And I'm Veronica. Let us go into this topic called false teachers, you know, false prophets. You know, what is this thing? Because I think that I'm seeing that more and more each day of how that works. How, what does that look like? And so if we are going to talk about false teachers, tell me about history. What are the things that you've seen on this journey from when you wasn't saved till now, as you, your perspective was looking at the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just seems like there, the shift is from really from focusing on on Jesus and the Holy Spirit to there's a lot of um, there's a lot of self help mm-hmm. I don't know type of preaching right. you know like let's make us the best version of ourselves you know right. more the focus is more on us mm-hmm. rather than then if I could say that, that's what I observe, you know, in, in a lot of uh, ministries that I listen to or have listened to. And um, and what I'm hearing now, it just seems like the focus is more on what we can do, you know. We've been on this journey for a long time together, and we've been through a lot of churches. Um, do you have an example of maybe some of the things that you noticed? that was going on in our churches um, or you see something that happens. And as time goes on, you see it happen over and over again. I don't know. I think seeing maybe the Holy spirit, the move of the Holy spirit, whether it is um, prophesying or um, speaking in tongues or um, gifts of healing um, just preaching the word without being apologetic, you know, at, at, at one time there were, and, and there still are, but for, for the most part, there are a lot of preaching that's really concerned with how people feel. You know, we don't want to hurt people's feelings. We don't want anybody to be offended. Right. So it's a um, very, I don't know, kind of touchy. You know, you can't, you don't want to preach something too hard mm-hmm. that may cause someone to think that you don't love them. Right. Um, so some things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, is, is there an example? I, I know there are moments that you've, you've experienced in, in your grandmother church, you know, at one point, you know, there was a certain ter- church up there and they have these standards that they want all their women to operate under and they want the guys to operate under it. But then there's this sense of, are you allowing what we do? Are you allowing um, a law to be infiltrated back into a, a set free moment or a mentality that Christ has set us free from? Are you allowing the things that men do to make another law that's binding and putting a weight on on people? 
going to a church that is uh, uh, what would be called a holiness mm-hmm. church, where um, you wore you wore women wore dresses, skirts, you know, not pants. Um, they wore longer sleeves, um, things like that. And if you come in there not dressed in that way, then they automatically assume that you are not a Christian, that you're not saved, that mm. you don't love Jesus mm. because you don't look like like they look. Right. Using the scripture that talks about women should not be wearing things that pertain to clothing that pertains to men. Right. And so my response was, well, if you have someone who is wearing what you want them to wear, the dresses, the long sleeves, and all those things, but they don't love God, they are gossipers, or they don't love their brother or their sister, and I come in wearing pants and a short-sleeved top, and but I love God. Mm-hmm. I'm praying. You know, I'm doing, I'm walking in the things of God. Who's saved? Who's the Christian? Right. You know, so that was my response to the person that asked me the question. And and she was like, oh, wow. Yeah, I see. I see what you're saying. You know. Now, now you don't really know how that impact the whole scheme of things. Right. But at least she for gave that us moment, something to think about. For that moment, I could see her thinking differently about that particular thing, whether she changed or not. For that moment, she had that enlightened moment that mm, maybe maybe it's not so bad if women wear pants. You know, I'm not talking about getting crazy, crazy, but, you know. Yeah, it's um, interesting. I think that I want to put this out there is that we are. We are people that have the ability to not get caught up in false doctrine. We have that ability. We have everything we need not to be caught up in a false teaching, false prophecy. You know, we have it. God gave it to us and it sits on our desk. It sits someplace. Hopefully it sits in your heart. Uh, the word of God, mm-hmm. the word of God. And so that's one of the things that, you know, right off the gun, right off the cusp of things is that you need to know the word of God. Right. You know, don't take anybody else word for it. And if somebody's preaching a gospel, if they're mm-hmm. preaching another gospel than what you know, and when, what that means is that Jesus has to be the center of attention. He has to be the one. We can incorporate, and, and what I found out in this day and age now, people are just allowing a little leaven to come out there. And pretty soon that little leaven is going to leaven the whole lump, as mm-hmm. the scriptures say. That little bit is going to begin to change the very nature of what truth is because you change one dynamic right. of that truth. Exactly. And so let's go back. Let's let's start off here with um, false teacher. Who is the first false teacher? <laughs> Satan. <laughs> Satan is the first false teacher. He, the Bible says that he is the father of lies. Mm-hmm. That's he, he doesn't know anything about truth. Yeah. So 
part of a false teaching is the fact whether intentionally, which, you know, he's flat out a false teacher that he's saying, I'm be just like my father, the liar, or they didn't start that way. But because certain things happen or certain things they long to get or receive that that glory that they wanted or the glory that once was Christ has now shifted to them. Then they begin to make the word of God that will morph into something that they'll benefit from rather the kingdom of God. So let's go back to the beginning in Genesis. In Genesis 2, 9, God says after he makes the garden and all the stuff, he says, and out of the ground made the Lord God to grow every tree. Listen to these words. Every tree that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, those things, those two trees represents a wisdom. Two parts to wisdom is one. Is that you allow God to be controlled. That's the tree of life. You're allowing God to be God and you are just saying what you say. That's the only option I need is God be God. The second one is saying, let's do some comparisons. Let's have options. You know, I don't want to do the God is God thing. I want to do me is God thing. You know, I want to be me. I want it. It's about me. That's about comparing, comparing. That's why good and evil. Now, if you look at that, he said, don't eat from the tree. Um, John Brevere brought this out and I thought it was a powerful statement. He says, think about it. He told them not to drink of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, let's look at it because sometimes we think, Hey, if it's good, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But he says, don't partake of the tree of the good yeah. and, evil, and evil, which means that both of them is an option to divert your attention from the tree of life. Mm-hmm. The only way from life, right? Because in good, you think you're better. You're good. You got it going on that you're the one evil is like the other guy. He's no good. So your comparison is corrupted. Because your comparison always has someone else in the mix other than God, but the tree of life doesn't. And so he goes through this thing and this is what he tells Adam. And then further on the scripture in 2, 7, 16 to 17, and the Lord God commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you can eat freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is now he could eat of the tree of life, but he chose not to eat of the tree of life. Right. The enemy did not want him to eat of the tree of life because that meant that he'll be stay. He stayed connected to God. And so he says, the moment you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall surely die. That is the truth. That is the word of God. That is God speaking to Adam. Now enters the false prophet, the false teacher. He says in Genesis three, four through six, And the serpent said unto the woman, you shall not surely die. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right there. You know, he said that's false. That's contrary to what God says. No deviation from what God said. That's flat out saying, this is what I'm telling you. Don't believe what God said. And it says, for God does know. When you think about that, the enemy is saying, well, God knows. God knows. If you eat of this, then this, 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 this is going to happen Mm -hmm. as if this is the option that you have. You have this option and God's trying to hide something Mm -hmm. from you. God don't want you to have this. Oh, he's, he's just trying to keep it to himself. Mm -hmm. He is the only one wants to be almighty, all powerful, all knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the guy you you don't, 
God knows that if you eat this, this is what's going to go down. And he said, the day you eat thereof, then your eyes will be open and you shall be as gods. There you go. Good and evil. I want to be God. Regardless, I'm going to be a good God or evil God. I'm going to be God. And when the woman saw that the tree was good, remember we talked about was good for food, was pleasant. These are things that God has said. And the tree to be desired to make one wise, the tree of life would have made you wise. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil just made you stupid because it took away your connection to all that God had for you. And they did. And she gave it to a husband that was with her and they did eat. So right there, you see right there, the first implication of a false teacher. You see his ways, you see his motive, his, his, his manipulation. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about false teachers, when you talk about a false prophet, the, the design is just like this. I'm going to say things to you that gets you off track to take you away from God, the tree of life, the abundant life that God wants to give you. And so what we have here is that false teacher, fast forward, goes to Jesus. Jesus is being tempted by the enemy, the false teacher, in Matthew 4, 6. And he says to Jesus, says, if thou be the son of God, as if Jesus doesn't know who he is, and that's how he comes to us, mm -hmm. Cast yourself down, for it is written, for it is written. Now, he quote Bible scriptures now. He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time you dash thy foot against the stone, a stone. That can be found in Psalms 91, 11. So Jesus says, Matthew 4, 7, he didn't fight him about the scripture. He didn't fight him about him misquoting scripture. He just said, Jesus said, it is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Because what was more important for Jesus to relate to the enemy is that I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to take me out of that tree of life lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You're trying to tempt the Lord my God by allowing, by wanting me to step into something and do something Contrary to the time and place that God wants right. me. So we realize that from Genesis to the temptation in Matthew is that the enemy is desiring to take us out of the will of God, take us yeah. out of the timing of God and to serve him. And yeah. so this is the first part of what it looks like when a false prophet or a false teacher mm -hmm. is is brought before us. And there are some descriptive things that we're going to talk about later. But until then, we want to leave you with those thoughts, is that the originator of false prophets, the originator of false teaching comes from the enemy, Satan. That's right. He's the author and finisher of that junk. Right. And so... No, God's the finisher of that junk. <laughs> he, he, he may be the author of it, but God's going to be the finisher of it through Christ Jesus. So um, we want to leave you with that right now. And uh, we want to basically let you know that we'll be talking about this for some time. Um, just stay with us. If you got any questions, like I said, IWFIMH at gmail.com. And we'll be talking about this false teaching, false preaching, uh, descriptive things. How do you know? What do they look like? Mm -hmm. What did Jesus say? The most important right. thing, what, what did the did word he, that's say? Right, that's right. And so on that note, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 
you have this opportunity right now to reflect on your life and know that the gospel is a story, a, a proposal of grace. When you hear the gospel, don't think religion. Think about grace. Think about love. Think about forgiveness. Think about joy. These are all the things that God desires to give you through man Christ mm-hmm. Jesus who died on the cross for the sins of the world. So your life has been to a place where things are not going well. You look at your life and say, man, this is messed up. God died for you on that cross. All you have to do is accept the fact that he did that for you. Ask for forgiveness, which he will give you. And desire for him to be Lord of your life, which he will do. In the name of Jesus, if you go through that process, he will show up guaranteed with your sincere heart in Jesus name we'll see you next week it was found in my heart